Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is Morgan Zegers. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe. Today, I'm answering rapid fire Q&A with Brian. So pretty much all these random questions that get submitted to us. I'm really excited. If you guys have questions for future episodes, feel free to submit them to us anytime in our messages or I put up a little Q&A box sometimes on my Instagram story. So just keep an eye out for that. I'm really excited for this. So let's just get into it. But of course, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now with a brand new fabric that's made with a temperature regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, coolest pillow you will ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow is buy one, get one free with promo code Morgan. So go to MyPillow.com, use promo code Morgan for the MyPillow 2.0. It's with temperature regulating technology that is 100% made in the USA, and it comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's MyPillow.com, promo code Morgan for buy one, get one free. Thank you. Okie dokie. So the question I want to start out with today Somebody asked, what is your advice for young conservatives learning to navigate the woke workplace? For me, right off the bat, my mind immediately goes to the fact that we're kind of winning right now. You have vaccine mandates, which were a huge deal over the last couple of years. They're now being removed because guess what? We were right. On top of that, you also see diversity, inclusion, and equity or diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings being removed from universities, from workplaces, from bureaucratic offices. It shows once again, it doesn't work. And so it's not that we just had to like hide and wait for this to be removed. But instead, if you were just resilient and you stayed strong during it and you pushed back, you might be able to get your job back or you might have not had to get whatever they were trying to force you in the first place. And it just shows that, you know what, maybe there is still a fighting chance for us to have some wins here. So I think it's pretty positive these days. What do you think, Brian? Well, first, it's good to be back on the podcast. Hey, guys, <clears throat> thought we were going to start off with like my favorite ice cream or something. But <laughs> I just went straight into politics. Uh, no, I would say, yeah, like, on a, well, the vaccine mandate, for example, I just and many people knew like starting off like, you know, if you have an employer um, that is, say, I guess, well, I don't know if it's woke is the right word, but say for this vaccine mandate. The thing about it is what I understood was if, if they had 100 employees and 76 of them come in and say, you know what, we are not getting the vaccines, so you just fire us. That employer would immediately, nine times out of 10, change their mind because they're like, they're nothing without the employees. And so I could kind of see that, you know, early on, you know, if it was only two or three of them, you know, they could probably fire them and like keep going, which, hey, you stood for something, I think. I think that's half the half the win is just standing for something or you fall for anything. Mm -hmm. So just standing for something is a good start, no matter whatever it is of the workplace that you're in. But yeah, like if you have a, you know, if you're talking inside your circle, inside your friend group, like you're not being silent and, you know, you got a bunch of workers kind of on with y'all. And then it's like, look, guys, when it hits the fan, that's what we're going to stand for. 
nine times out of a ten, if it's a majority of you, the employees, what, they're not going to fire. They shut down. Money is everything for an employee. And so they're not going to shut it down. They're going to they're going to they're going to probably change their minds. And that happened a lot, um, to be honest with you. And, and sadly, in some of these cities, they still I don't I don't even know what the temperature is now in a lot of like, say, the more Democrat run cities. But it just seems like, yeah, the tide is turning. But, you know, again, I'm sure there's stuff up their sleeve that they're going to come out with. Hopefully, I don't know if that was just testing the waters or I don't know if that was like a huge win. And they're like now completely confused. Um, but. I don't hold these people, uh, you know, I don't think these people just give up, you know. No, well, we're always going to have to deal with bad people in power. But uh, the, I think the greatest lesson we could take out of this is that when you're silent and you allow these things to happen, you're actually preventing positive change from occurring. You're preventing reform. Or let me stop you there. If you if you allow, not not really allow, if you are silent and you're allowing those things to happen and you're just going with it, you are technically on their side. That's the thing about it what a lot of people can't understand even if you completely disagree, by you not standing up for something, you are technically adding fuel to their fire, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like that. Um, we saw that meme with like Jesus on the cross and everybody standing around. I'm just doing my job. I'm just doing, mm-hmm. I had to do it for my family. I got to nail them, you know, all this, all these excuses. You're on their side and the reason it's happening. So yeah. that's another way to think about it. Well, and it, people forget so much that we are in a constitutional republic rooted in federalism for a reason. It's we all have our unique capabilities of of showing power and showing influence in this structure of government that we have. And so when something like the vaccine mandate happened, people were like, oh, so I have to quit my job. When in reality, we should think back to, okay, what would our founders have wanted? They wanted people to say, you know what, we don't agree with this policy being pushed down to us, first of all, by the federal government, the bureaucracy that isn't very directly connected to the people. There is a state level government, there are local governments, there are school boards, and there are individual people that all have certain amounts of power and influence in the structure. And people just completely forgot about all those things. And so if you came together as groups of employees and stood up to your employer and said, hey, none of us want to do this, or a great majority of us don't want to do this, and we are willing to help you as an employer fight back against this as well. Perhaps we could find other businesses in the area that are going to stand up and we could all come together and talk to our local officials and say, as a community, we don't agree with this. Will you stand with us? And then you go to your state level leaders and you say, all of these towns got together and the people of these towns are saying they are not going to comply. The sheriff's departments in these counties that represent these towns are not going to enforce it. What will you do? Will you stand Files with us? Fathers employees didn't even have to get it but but that's the thing is like if you had just kind of combined together instead of complaining on social media and then also not really actually acting in real life we could have seen more positive change all of us know how ridiculous things like the biden administration are we all laugh at it we all share the memes but how many of us actually speak up and act when the rubber meets the road well, i just, so, I, just feel, I feel like they don't think they're doing anything like i feel like i feel like we're getting into it yeah, it's optimistic in a sense of maybe that our side is quote unquote winning maybe, but it's also a scary side of like, you feel like your voice doesn't mean anything anymore. Like, look at the elections. Like, I feel like it's a stolen presidential election. So it's like, well, my vote doesn't matter. Well, that's even more so on like things of like, it doesn't matter if I post this or it doesn't matter if I say this at my school board meeting, but it actually is everything for your voice because a bunch of small voices add up to a pretty big voice and they want you to think your voice doesn't matter. That's how they keep winning. It's only about a hundred people in charge. If you really think about it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? We have millions in this country. The second everybody comes together, you know, and it's like, like we, we don't want this to happen. Um, then, you know, that, that that's what they fear. 
Now, again, I sound like a domestic terrorist right now. <laughs> oh, seriously. But I think uh, you're right. But yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't want us all getting together. That's why you have all the racism, all the different labels now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The, all the news is negative. It's completely to not get us all on the same page. And that's why Trump had such a huge, like, just a drive when, you know, he first started running. Like, America, I don't know of any other wave that came through that people were like, you know, even though they might not even knew what policy was what, they were still hollering Trump train, like because they felt like the people had this huge voice, you know, going into it. Or that's how I felt. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. kind of part of that, though, is we also don't have very strong communities anymore. Like people don't communicate. If if they go to church, they often watch it online. You know what I mean? Like when we go to our church, the pastor is literally saying, like, if you're watching online, that's really great. We really appreciate it. But you really should be here. You know, if you can be here, you should be here. And so we've gotten so used to just kind of being shut up in our homes and we don't even know our neighbors. Like I've shared this story of when I moved to Texas. If you think about Texas or states like Florida where a bunch of people are moving into them, perhaps there are people like me that are very conservative, very traditional, coming from a blue state and wanting to live in a place that actually represents my values where I can be amongst people that I I live like them and I want to be in that kind of community. I moved to Texas, not a single person knocked on my door to say, welcome to the neighborhood. Not a single person came to even ask me, you know, what is my name or what is my story? Or, or it, it, just, it was very strange. And so then I didn't know anybody in my neighborhood. And the only communication I got was when I got like a letter, an email and a phone call voicemail from the homeowners association because I left my garbage can out uh, past the deadline of picking it up on trash day. And so it's just very uh, cold and it made me kind of sad. But There are things that communities can do to foster relationships so that if we ever have a situation, we can bond together and feel closer with our fellow man. I'm getting all like, this is like really high Well, that's why they want to push the metaverse too, like living this, your your own fantasy, you know what I mean? With, with, I don't even know, goggles on and you're sitting in a corner with nothing in your apartment, but you're living your best life in a fake world. You feel like you're happy, but in reality, you're just easily controlled. This is high level stuff. Take everything and you'll be happy. That's their motto. I kind of want to answer the question from a more personal level too of like if you're in an office situation and perhaps politics come up or something that maybe challenges your political beliefs, my advice on this is to really ask yourself, what is winning this political debate worth? Is it something like you standing up against having to get a vaccine that you don't want to get? Is it something like standing up against very racist and divisive critical race theory training that's happening in the in the workplace that you're working in and you truly want to stand against it and prevent it from happening. If that's the case, then yes, stand up against it because I see this as good versus evil. And and in those situations, it's very easy for me to be like, all right, I'm going to stand on the side of good. And it's easy for us to also speak against the evil that's happening there because it's just right. It's righteous. And so if you could do that, that's nice. But you should also consider like, do you want to be the person in the office that's always arguing about just petty political topics really consider like what are the wins here if i engage in this political discourse versus am i just going to push them further away and isolate myself because i think it's really important for us to have conservatives that thrive in the marketplace conservatives that thrive in corporate settings and bureaucratic even, settings it, like they need to also succeed so don't just don't alienate yourself just to win some silly political debates that don't have long-term impact and meaning it's not even a conservative thing, I feel like. Like, I don't even like labeling it. We are literally talking about just good people. Don't mess with us. 
You know what I mean? Talking about the government. Mm-hmm. Let me live my life and do what I want to do, and I'm going to be a good human in a sense, ethically. Yeah, conservative gets slapped onto that, but I mean, it's just like, just goes back to just be a daggum good human and like stand up for other people. If someone else is getting picked on, go help them. Like, you know, like I don't look out for your neighbor, you know, let people decide what they want to do. Now, I know that can get a little bit hairy because that's when the whole abortion people come in like, whoa, whoa, it's my body. Let me do what I want to do, which obviously that's where I feel like the line gets drawn because we're talking about, you know, another human. But well, that's a good point, too, is is I think I'm just saying conservative in the sense of like if it's a Republican versus Democrat thing that, you know, we're never going to agree on this. You're just going to isolate yourself and perhaps your peers in the workplace are all Democrats. It's not necessary to win those arguments or to even engage in them. For me, I don't look at a leftist or a pro-abortion person and say, gee, I want to dedicate my time to changing their mind. Instead, I just want to have positive impacts where I can and control my controllables. And so that's really my advice for people where it's like, are you standing up for something where it's a good versus evil situation and you're going to bring positive change? Or are you just going to kind of be prideful and want to win a political debate? I would really weigh yeah, I mean, how much, the impact here. Yeah, I don't I don't think you should just be getting into political basis. This, this just goes back to being a good human, like have some core values. And yeah, if your company does go woke, then I mean, yeah, it goes back to like, all right, I, I'm, this is where I draw the line with me personally. No, that's a good point. Um, let's move to the next question. People ask what kind of podcasts and shows do we listen to? I'll go first. I listen not really to political stuff anymore. I used to listen to Mark Levin. I used to listen to Matt Walsh and watch his like 10 minute YouTube videos and stuff. Cause I was really interested from Mark Levin's perspective. Uh, he talks a lot about like the, the corruption that's happening in DC. He's got that legal perspective. He's got that constitutional perspective. And I loved that aspect of bringing the history into it of like, wait, what are they violating? What is going wrong here in their structure of government? So that's why I liked his angles. And then Matt Walsh, I just liked hearing about the culture stuff. I I found that more and more interesting over the last couple of years. And he's a leading voice on that. But that being said, I just have kind of stepped away from listening to it. So um, when I do listen to stuff, it's more so things about lifestyle. I really love the podcast Old Fashioned on Purpose with Jill Winger. She's a homesteader. And basically every episode is practical advice on a topic about living that life out. So I really love that. I listen to a bunch of child development and, you know, young child raising stuff because I find the science of it really interesting. And then I like Casey Nicole on YouTube. She's a Christian YouTuber, vlogger, kind of lady. And Church of Highlands is also the church that we go to. And they post a lot of their services as videos on YouTube. So I listen to those. What about you, Brian? I used to listen to the X-22 report, which was straight political stuff. He was at all these little... I mean, he was like really smart with like trying to put dots together, whether half was true or not. He said some things around inauguration that he believed was about to happen. And none of that happened. So I kind of now take him with like a grain of salt and don't really listen to politics in a sense. But I like the self-development stuff. Andy Frisella, Brad Lee, um, both of those guys have good. Well, Brad Lee has more of the uh, he's more of the interview style. So and he brings in entrepreneurs and just. Also doctors, and they'll they'll talk about lies and corruption and kind of stuff that we were taught to believe but really isn't true. Andy's a little bit more so of like kind of, you know, getting mentally tough. That way you can, um, you know, get prepared for life's battles. But then also just, you know, that he wants more for yourself too and just challenges you to get into that thought process. Um, it's not really about making millions and millions of dollars. It's more so just, um, you know, becoming the best version of yourself. And then I listen to like sermons, like you were saying, Church of Highlands, or like um, 
I like the Life Church. I'll just listen to sermons every now and then. I just I'm not a good reader. I'm better with like listening and like visual and audible stuff. So yeah. No, I mean even I like Andy. I think what what you just said though, maybe we should talk about it. You we've discussed it privately before of when a lot of the people before January sixth were talking kind of like after the election and they were saying, you know what, we've busted them, we've got them. We're on a plane heading to this place. We're going this place and we're about to bust them. Just you wait, just you wait. And a lot of us were like, all right, wow, like this is about to go down. We've got information that's about to be revealed. I was right there with them waiting for it. And then you're right. It just never happened. And I have a hard time putting my, like putting the words together to explain the letdown that I feel, but it's just more of like, I just don't trust them anymore and i see a lot of the content that's very like hyping us up to get ready for when it's going to happen when it's going to be exposed when this is all going to come down and i just don't believe them if that makes sense and when bryant was saying it and he's not really from the political world like i am it i mean it has a really big impact and i wonder how many people are like us out there that we're like we were walking right with them we were waiting for it and then it just never came and now our hearts just aren't there and so they're talking about trump 2024 they're talking about you know how we're gonna do it different this time but it's like then 2022 happened and we still had election day issues and they said well are we gonna fix it in time by 2024 and i remember before 2022 happened we were all saying of course it's gonna be fixed we could never let this happen again so a lot of it is just like is anybody even leading this train or is it just on a track to nowhere i've just kind of I don't really hate to say this because I still think there's a lot of good people out there, but it just seems like both sides is theater and the same side of the coin. And you're just kind of trying to pick the lesser of two evils because, I mean, is really anything changing? Is the world better off or worse than it was like 30 years ago? Like we're still feel like, I don't know, trending down. Now look at the culture. It's terrible. You got the drag queens doing all this. Now don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, when Trump was in office, I do feel like, things were more stable and economy and like trying to be more energy dependent. Obviously he wanted to build the wall and try to do something down there. Now it's just like nothing seems like the best of our interests, like literally nothing. So I'm not going to say like Trump's one of them, but it's just like, I don't know. That's why I'm big on like, just you got to start with your own self and in your own house and in your own community, because these people up in Washington and these people on Twitter say bull crap, honestly, to get likes and attention because their game is engagement and that's the only game that they care about, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, so this is a more of a personal angle for me, but because I love history, because I do the certain things that I have for work, I see it as um, very unfixable, I guess we could say, in the sense that the growth of the establishment in terms of like the Republicans and the Democrats and then the growth of the, the bureaucracy, the uncontrollable, faceless people that aren't elected – we have no idea how expansive that mass of bureaucracy is, like the FBI people, the people in these agencies. We have no idea what it even looks like. And when I did the project for Turning Point on the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers, like it was just so clean and simple. And you can read that our founders couldn't ever possibly have imagined the issue would end up becoming this overblown bureaucracy because the legislature that's given the power of the finances 
all the taxes, the ability to tax, the the ability to give money and to pass laws. They literally just handed it over to unelected people in a bureaucracy and said, here's millions of dollars. Do whatever you have to do to implement the things that you need to implement. That's the current structure of our federal government. And that's not what our founders wanted. So we're so far gone in that aspect that it's quite disheartening. And then what's even more funny is I run a nonprofit and the name is silly. Yes, but it's Young Americans Against Socialism, because at the time, I feel like years ago when I started it, it just that was a concern, you know, like young people on college campuses were saying capitalism sucks. I want to follow socialism. I want to bring it. It said 70 percent of young people favored socialism, would vote for a socialist, all this stuff. And the numbers were crazy. And then, of course, you look at the education system and people are not taught about socialism or communism. So I just started it as like a simple thing to solve a problem that we were facing. And now it seems like such a tiny, tiny problem compared to the massive amount of authoritarian tyranny that we're seeing coming from Washington, D.C., seeing from a global scale. Like the issue of the rise of socialism that years ago used to be a serious concern for young people is now like 15th on the peg of concerns that we have to save the republic. You know what I mean? And so we talk about that, you know, me and Allie and the girls at the nonprofit of like, okay, how do we adjust? How do we fix this? Because it's not that we're irrelevant, but we're, we're solving a problem that if it's solved, it's not going to fix anything in terms of the direction that our country's heading in. Well, this and is so like, I get really upset and nervous about it. Well, this is just common sense stuff. Anybody who's listening to this podcast knows like, okay, it, most Americans feel like there's like a few critical steps that we can probably do right now. And why are we not doing it? One, why are we some offensive military getting into wars we shouldn't be into probably money laundering all through that versus just being defensive? Why don't we not take care of our borders? Why don't we take care of the veteran veterans that are homeless? Why don't we take care of just honestly all homeless people and then the fentanyl crisis and all this stuff? Why should I be paying tax dollars that go to another country besides the one I'm sitting in, you know, why do we pay 50% tax after it all gets added up? You know, sure. I think we should pay tax. My vote is like 15% will make me. If you make a dollar or hundred million, 15%. I just feel like there's a few things that are just like, make sense that people could just vote in right now. And we are automatically in a, in a better direction. Don't censor people, let people talk it out. You know, don't push these narratives. I mean, there's just common sense stuff. And then, yes, there's stuff on the totem pole of like, you know, other issues we got in America. But first, we have to keep it afloat. <laughs> That's the first step. And those are just a few key things I feel like we could do. And it just because it's not being done, it just makes you wonder, OK, well, who's behind the closed doors really running this country? Mm-hmm. And I just don't think it's people with our best interests. And, you know, we can make the memes and be funny all we want, but it's kind of scary. Can we buy can we buy land in China? Like can I call China up and buy land? I don't think I can. Mm-mm. But here they are buying up our land. This stuff that don't make sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's just be honest. Um so it's kind of scary, but it's just also like, you know, I mean, that gets back into the spiritual aspect of praying for America and praying for leaders and letting the right people get in. Um but yeah, it's uh it's a pretty interesting time just on that scale and that's why sometimes I feel like it's so out of our control. People shouldn't just get bogged down into it. You know, but again, it is important. That, that's the thing is I, I am very passionate about not mm-hmm. giving up in the mentality because it's strong people like us that actually care. If all of us start saying, you know what, it's too far gone, we shouldn't do it. Like 
We're a constitutional republic for a reason. We are all supposed to have our own unique powers. And perhaps the issue is that none of us are involved enough. Like, perhaps that's the problem. And then when we all say we all just want to be left alone and live free and stuff, it's like, well, you kind of have to be actively involved in that process. You have to do politics in a way that preserves our ability to be left alone and to just live our lives. Because there's a lot of people out there that want to do politics and do politics every single day, even on the weekends, in a way that destroys the kind of life that we all want to live, which is focused in independence and freedom and choice and free will. They actually believe that they should be able to choose those things for us. And they love to do politics. And then the people that want to be left alone are like, well, I think it's all just crap. So I'm going to stay on my homestead and not be bothered. And so I wonder how long can that last in a country before one generation passes of this kind of mentality and then it's gone. We're gone. I mean, well, I guess like, let me just ask you the question. What what do you think is the answer? Well, this is a generational solution, I think. I think you need to take over in multiple different ways. People need to become more involved in their government at all levels and in the raising of kids. You know, politics is downstream from culture. I think culture is downstream from the raising and education of children. That right there is one of the main solutions. But then you look at the culture these days and who's about to become parents as we all get older, and it's kind of like, oh boy, okay, so there's a lot of people that aren't necessarily going to tag on to our idea of let's raise intentional children, let's do this right. There's a lot of people out there that have fallen into the worldly ways, to the cultural ways. That being said, though, you don't need a majority to have positive change. Usually it comes from a strong minority, and I think we make that up. When you look at the Republican Party in terms of like, okay, there's political issues. Why don't we have successful candidates? Why do we have all of the money not go to a race like Arizona to help Blake Masters to win his Senate race and we send it all to Alaska to beat Mitch McConnell's opponent? When we look at that kind of stuff, it's literally a town level, a county level of the GOP, our state GOPs, and then taking over at the RNC level. But do we have people that are capable? Do we have the numbers to pull off that kind of stuff anymore? Or is it just too far gone? Because I think the conservative movement has completely become a political industry of influencers that make money by having their own accounts and stuff. You know what I mean? So there's that. This is a mess. So who's the good people? Well, that's what I mean. This is a complete mess. That's what I'm saying. uh, Americans as a whole believes, I believe the majority of Americans believe in kind of the key things that I just said. Like, hey, do you want a safe border? Yep. Do you want to send all your money that you're paying in taxes to another country? I don't think so. Even if you care about the people, you know, you're probably still not all about that. You know what I mean? Um, Do you want to defund the police so when you call them up, they're not showing up? Probably not. I'm just going to be honest. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a a majority. This is common sense stuff. Hey, do you want to create our own energy and not be dependent on another country? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds nice. Okay. Majority of Americans believe that. The problem is these politicians are corrupt, half of them. They're paid off. even if it's a, there's a bunch of rhinos, they get into it and then they get the backdoor hundred, two hundred thousand dollar deal. Like, hey, it's cool. You can run your game like y'all need to, but then on a couple key votes, though, I need you. And that's where they screw it. You know what I mean? They're all bought out. So it's like Americans don't even know who to vote for. And in a sense, I feel like they don't even feel like their vote matters. Yeah. So my hope is in 2024, is it somehow we're confident in it? <laughs> I mean, I don't. Do you believe Carrie Lake won in Arizona? I do. Okay, well, guess what? Who cares anymore? It's gone. So what happens in 2024? 
they don't do it again, then what? We complain about it. We tweet about it. Well, that's the thing. These if Carrie couldn't win in Arizona, then it's like I don't have much hope. But what I'm saying she is – was a killer of a candidate. That's what I'm saying. So if it happens in 2024, we literally don't have our tweeters out there, the big conservative influencers going about three or four months – Oh, they got this many votes. This many people didn't show up to so and so, and but this many did to them, and they didn't win. Oh, you know it's rigged. You know it's rigged. It's like, oh, they say the same crap over and over. So it's like, okay, so most Americans, that's what I mean back. Like, I don't know what we can do because the quote unquote influencers out there that know everything, so smart on Twitter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Stuff's not changing, dude. Yeah. So what well, is the answer? And that's why it's like what Andy says on his podcast. Mm-hmm. What can I control right now? Mm-hmm. I can control that I'm not going to eat a donut for supper. All right. I'm going to drink my water. I'm going to try to eat right. And I'm going to go try and, and make the gift that God gave me. And I'm going to I'm going to become an asset. OK. And then that's that's going to come into my family and my kids. Oh, am I just half rear ending my job? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I'm going to do a little bit better. And I also have six hours after work. We're financially struggling. I'm going to take up a side job. Because I don't be a provider as a man of the house. Mm-hmm. Okay, th- these are basic things that I think we can just start there. Before, but instead, we drink six pack with our buddies and we talk about how Biden's an idiot and he poops in his pants. Well, yeah, nothing happens again. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's when I said, like, I don't think I don't know if Americans truly know what to even do on that high level because the goons that we're following on Twitter and Facebook who are so smart and get a hundred thousand likes, hey, ain't nothing ha- changing. So maybe they're. <laughs> You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, well, yeah. They're, they're, they're saying things we agree on. It's such a weird concept. And they're, they're speaking up, I guess you call that. And they're like, they're, it makes you feel like we're winning because mm-hmm. of all the 100,000 likes, all these retweets. Nothing is changing. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I'm saying. And I think people are almost just, do we have hope anymore? Like, you know what I mean? Like, who, who do we trust? And that's when the Trump and DeSantis don't come out probably. And then it's going to be like, it's going to be such a probably a, a nasty them going against each other and it's just like man where is just a solid individual you know what i mean well, it, i think it's i think it could be desantis one day but but that's the thing is we we like both of them and now it's like great the media they thrive when they pit them together the democrats thrive when we pit those two together everybody loves to see us divided so now the two people that we really look up to and and even nikki haley even the other people that have said they're going to be president or run it's like great. Now we have to watch them all slay each other on the debates and attack and, each and other. And then, and then when one of them gets picked for vice president, they're going to be, "Oh, I love them. I love him or her." You know what I mean? It's almost like we're in a simulation. It's like now, I'm, <laughs> now that I see it all, I'm like, "This is really painful." It's to watch. theater, Morgan. The crap is no, theater. Yell at me. I agree. <laughs> no, I, because it pisses me off of how the country is, and it's <laughs> just a bunch. It's a bunch of people that is basically getting rich with don't care about me and you. Yeah. Okay. And 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 that's where I have the issue. It just makes you so mad. Well, bringing it back to what I initially brought up of the sense that this all goes back to the fact that I'm fine with the fact that hey, we're we're in a bad situation. We got a lot of work to do. The frustrating thing for me, and I think this was a really big changing moment for me, is seeing people that I know or seeing people that you know I have one connection away from seeing them post about how they know that they are about to expose it all. It's all about to come out just just you wait and then it's like wait it never happened that was such a big breaking of the barrier for me of like wait this is all a simulation and you're just posting that because it's going to do well and and they're just saying that when they don't actually know brian actually i'm remembering i had a conversation with someone i don't want to say any names i had a conversation with someone who you know 
they were high up in the sense of election reform because they said, we've got to do it after 2020 when the elections were right. We've got to do it at the state level. And so I'm like, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm excited to hear what the plan is, what everybody's doing, who are the names I'm asking. And guess what? He was like, well, well, nobody's actually doing that kind of stuff at the state level. There isn't somebody doing that. He's like, this is a state level thing. These things need to happen. There isn't anybody doing it. And so even when you get down to, okay, what needs to happen? It's like, we don't even have people actually implementing the plan. No, I think everybody just assumes that somebody else must be doing it for us. And so that's like the next step is if we start to understand the fact that nobody's actually here to save us, there isn't some master team working behind the scenes to actually get the election reform in each state. There aren't actually people working in, in offices helping us actually achieve policy change, all that stuff. It's like, wait a second. So then do we step up to it? Or do we, what is the solution at that point when we realize that all the people that do all the talking on social media aren't actually then closing their phones and doing the work? I mean, I think politicians are on politician. My hope is that our votes do matter in 2024. But, but if it all hits the fan, I've already told you this once, I think the police officers is like the last man standing kind of deal. Yeah. When they get the orders to come knock on your door to arrest you for X, Y, or Z, or take this or that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or implement this or that. Are they going to deep down say, you know what? No, I am. Uh, I believe in the Constitution, and I'm not going to do this. Actually, versus the man, I'm just following orders. Yeah. Knowing deep down, it's wrong. Well, and that's when you get into okay, where the system of federalism. It matters what state you live in because your state law enforcement and county law enforcement are going to handle it. Your governor could protect you from federal tyranny. You and I were talking about this in New York State. You have a bunch of troopers, a bunch of people in the police force at the state level or local or county, and they're all leaving to move down south or they're going to retire and leave. So at a certain point, when this last generation of police officers who maybe joined before all this crazy defund the police movement, Black Lives Matter stuff, the hating of the police, all that started, and they're just waiting to get out or maybe they left because of the vaccine mandate, whatever it was, once they're gone, the police forces in the blue states are truly only going to be people that agree with the blue left-leaning regimes that believe in the use of authority and force over us. That's freaky. So if you live in a blue state, please consider this. That's human history for you. And that's why the system of federalism, our constitutional republic, matters so, so much in the grand scheme of things. It wasn't just so we could live in a, a state with a little bit of a lower income tax rate like Florida and retire in the South to get some nice warm weather. This was because our founders understood that sometimes humans are really bad And we can contain the badness if they are in individual states. The federal government could check them or the states could check the federal government or the states could check other corrupt states if anything ever happened. It was literally designed for moments like this. Mm -hmm. Esther. Hopefully we don't ever get there. Hopefully there's a shift, a change. That's my prayer. I mean, we're forgetting the power of prayer here. So um, sometimes. Well, it's like what I told you. It's insulting to God almost to ask for just little prayers. You should pray for big things. Oh, yeah. I think you should pray for your country for sure, this world. I mean, yeah, it, it's interesting. But, um, you know, I mean, you can't just all of a sudden get extremely anxious. I just that's why I said earlier, try to control the controllables right now in front of your face. I don't know how positive that is, but that's about all I got. Well, I know what I just remembered. This was supposed to be a fun Q&A episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was good. Sorry, guys. That was kind of negative. But that is reality, I would say. And Brian and I honestly agree on all this stuff and just don't talk about it because it just it's like why well, discuss well, stuff that just heats us up when 
it just adds negativity to our day. I mean, yeah, me and you just got aggravated talking about all this. We're sweating a little bit. And then <laughs> did we just change anything? No. no but, but it's good to talk. Listening. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. I would just say the bottom line for me is control what the heck you can control. Take care of the people that's around you. You're only on lot, on this earth for a short amount of time. And um, yeah, stand for something or, or, you know, you're just don't fall for anything. And that just goes into your workplace or just your house, whatever it might be. Oh, speaking of controlling your controllables, Bryant, a lot of people ask questions about how to raise kids and boys outside so that they love the outdoors and they're masculine given today's culture trying to feminize men. Well, I don't have kids, so I don't know if I should answer the question in a sense, but all I know is... How'd you turn out to be like you are? Well, I mean, I just grew up on a farm. So there wasn't anything to do inside. This was for Xboxes and phones, so I had to go outside. Um, but I, what I will say is, like, you know, there's, like, a funny meme going around. Like, you pick up sticks that look like guns and, like, little pine cones or hand grenades, and you almost play, like, cowboys and Indians with, like, maybe your brother or something. Um, it, it, your mind gets extremely creative outside. Or for, for at, least, at least for me, it did. Like, what I was going to do... Um, just visualizing games, visualizing scenes, visualizing what could happen here or there when I'm, I'm literally like just running through the woods doing all kind of stuff. But, and this is as a kid and then obviously just fishing some days they bite, some days they don't. So what is that? That's patience. And that's just, that's how the real world, real, real world is. And, you know, hunting was the same way. Uh, there's a lot of things you learn. Patience is a big one. And, um, I don't know, but outside, I guess, is not for everybody as far as hunting and fishing. There's still a lot of people that come out fine, but for me, that's just how I was raised. Yeah. As far as to get them out there, I mean, well, I mean, I guess that's more so up to the parents. If you live in the city, it's it's going to be hard for them to just get outside and fish every day. So, I mean, try to be maybe intentional, like where you want your family to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a good answer. Um, yeah, I mean... <sighs> Hunting and fishing, it, it instills a lot of values in you. It really does. And I guess I would just say, like, if you really don't know anything about it, but you just like kind of that um, that lifestyle, like, of course, like you can watch YouTube videos. But again, it's just trying to set yourself up, being intentional, visualizing where you want to be one day. And then, yeah, I mean, doing that. But again, there's hunting and fishing is not for everybody. So I don't really know if that's I'm not saying that's the right answer. If you don't do that, you're going to turn out bad. No, but I think it's just like anything else. You set the tone for your family. And so I don't have kids either, but the concept of parents set the example and children learn by imitation. And just like with faith, if you instill certain things in your child when they're growing up, they may fade away from it for a little bit. They may move to the city or they may go to college far away and live in the city for those few years. But when things when the rubber meets the road, basically, they will fall back to their raising and their values and their experiences. They will come home to them, basically. And that's what a lot of people do with their faith, too. They have some years where they're kind of a little distant, but then they're able to return to those foundational points that were given to them when they were being formed. And so I think along with values, faith, structure in those more internal things, you can also give that to a child by raising them in the outdoors. And You know, from my perspective of it is that's why I really want to live in that warm climate so that they can be outside for pretty much all of the year. They can have meals outside. I'm going to homeschool so they can be learning outside. They can be constantly outside in their free time instead of being 
constantly occupied by toys and activities that are more established for them on the inside of the house, like in a playroom. Because when you don't give them anything, kids are often able to just go create play, and that's much better for their development anyways. There's so many benefits to it, but I just see it as it's it's instilling in them an appreciation for it in their young ages. And when they're older, they're going to be able to make their own choices. And that's the thing. Like they're going to be presented with challenges and choices to make and all these things. And you can't force them onto them as a parent once they're 18 or once they're 25 or once they're 30 being challenged in those ways. But you can at least give them a proper setup so they can fall back onto their values when it ever gets challenged. Yeah. And for me, like it was more of a spiritual deal that I developed. Like I felt like there's a saying, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's I've prayed more outside than I have in a church pew. And that's a fact for me because you just sitting there, I mean, enjoying the nature, the sunshine, like the good weather and whether you're hunting, you know, a turkey or just deer, steel deer hunting, whatever the sport is that you're doing. It's just, uh, it's one of those undescribable feelings being out there. It just makes you want to be out there. I don't really know what it is, but I've just learned a lot of things with my dad as far as like hunting. Um, you know, a turkey is my favorite thing. Just the whole woodsmanship you learn over and over. Like the first time I stepped in the turkey woods to try to get a turkey by myself was just, I messed it all up, you know, but I learned from it. The next day he didn't gobble, didn't hear him the next five or six days, but I'm waking up at 4.30 in the morning feel like I'm wasting all my time. Finally, he gobbles about a week later after I messed him up that one morning, and, and I was able to just learn from my past mistakes, not do that, get a better setup on them. And all that's a lot of details, but you just learn a lot, like from the whole woodsmanship to just um, learning from a past mistake. And then when you actually take the the animal, like this is the ethical side that I feel like many people don't understand, This just seeing an animal that you just stalked or hunted Come back, you clean it with a knife, and then it literally goes in your belly. Like that process, many people don't understand. So when you see that, you value that so much more. And I don't really know psychologically what that does. It just makes you feel, I don't know, just more in tune with like just your inner self, like just the primal like deal. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain it. No, but that's it's cool. Just, yeah, it's just interesting. Well, someone actually also asked. What's the best way to raise boys into being men when the father is absent? I know that you don't have sons or anything and neither do I, but my suggestion based on the science that's out there, based on the information that we do know is that you will benefit so much more as a child when you have some sort of masculine and some sort of feminine role. And so not all kids will get a mother and a father. And that's really unfortunate but there's ways to bring in masculine role models. Like the mom, I don't think should, and she shouldn't have to, she shouldn't try and be a man and she shouldn't have to try and be a man. There are other ways to bring masculine role models, masculine experiences into the raising of a boy. And so right away, like I think of church of the Highlands, the small groups that they have, like people act like there's not good men out there. There's not good women out there. There's not good people out there. But when you just, put yourself in the situation and the spaces where those good people are, you'll be pleasantly surprised at the many, the thousands or at least the hundreds that you'll find in your town, like Church of Highlands, the amount of people in that building are insane. And I just think of like, wow, if I was looking for a masculine role model to spend time with my son, I know I could find dozens of men in that room that would want to 
do something or help in some way. And so it's almost like a positive message of just like with dating and people complain there's nobody out there. There are plenty of good people out there to help. And so my message is don't just think that because he doesn't have a father, he isn't going to ever have a positive masculine experience from a role model. Yeah. I mean, well, again, I can't relate to that. So I don't know if I have the right answer, but, um, all I do know is like, I guess, so I guess you're saying if you're a mom and you have a son, like how, how do I do this? Uh, instantly things that come off the top of my head is like, yeah, what you're saying, obviously church, like a good small group, a good community like that. Because again, if you remember, you're the sum of the five people you hang around with the most, you know, if, if, if they enjoy sports, you know, maybe it's a prayer that the baseball coach or the football coach is extremely, you know, the masculine figure like that you're talking about. I've seen a lot of football coaches that understand a family dynamic and really step up. And that kid looks up to them more than anything. Um, I mean that, and then just as they get older, you know, I, I know we were talking about hunting and fishing, but just that goes a long way. Just being all with a group of guys going out and hunting and fishing. Like, I mean, it just goes a long ways. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can't imagine how hard it is, but kind of like what you're saying, I think is the best. And that's just a hard question to answer. It's more about like the community, the people, like you said, yeah. the five people that you're around. And so that goes for the adult models. And then also I would say the children that you're allowing your children to be with. I think people don't want to talk about it much, but you really do need to care about the kind of people your your children are friends with and your children are hanging out with because it could go completely against everything that you and your family stands for. And when your child is alone with, with another child that's from a completely different raising and, and background, it can really put them on a bad path. And we've all seen that happen. I think we've all been shocked to see that happen in in more personal settings. And I personally am becoming more passionate about this. And so if you are protective of the circles that your child is in, they're going to greatly benefit. And that means putting them in good ones and then keeping them out of the bad ones that might take advantage of them. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. That's, that's what I would say. It's a hard question to answer, especially for more circumstances. But the thing know? is there's good people out there. That's the thing is I can't answer the question, but there are good people out there that are looking to accept those kind of roles in young boys' lives, young girls' lives. And so to have the mentality that just everybody out there is bad and no one's there to help you is just going to get you in a rut. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, no. But let's end on that one. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. And we'll see you next time.